One of the big topics is uh, the supply chain, right? When it comes to uh, Kubernetes security. Is it plural? Is Kubernetes plural? I believe it's uh, singular. Uh, like at least okay. I refer to it as a singular term. Being you know a good product manager, a good a good business savvy. So I think it's been exciting to uh, carry that uh, to the next level. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are, and welcome back to Cybersecurity Stand-Up. I'm your host, Bronwyn Hudson, and today I'm joined by another Uptick superstar. I've got Abhinav with me. Um, Abhinav, can you tell the people a little bit about what you do here at Upticks and maybe how you know how you got to where you are? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you for the warm welcome. Uh, I'm the director of product here at Uptakes, uh, leading the containers and Kubernetes security front. So uh, everything when it comes to Kubernetes security posture management, uh, runtime container security, uh, shift left, all those kinds of things. And uh, I got here, uh, I started my journey um, as a software engineer originally. I was at VMware for five years. In between, I pursued my MBA uh, at Kellogg and was happening to intern at Upticks last year, and I, I joined uh, a, f a few months ago. Uh, in between, I decided to build some Kubernetes expertise and was at a startup called Rafe, uh, where they have a, it was a Kubernetes operations platform, was doing a lot of, uh, did a lot of the developer self-service capabilities and was leading that on the product management side. And yeah, super excited uh, to be here. And the, there's so much opportunity and really, really happy to chat with you today. Awesome. Extremely cool. I, first of all, had no idea you had your MBA. That's such a flex. Love that. Um, and really cool that you came up in, in software as well. I mean, from my perspective, like Kubernetes hasn't really been around for that long. So it's cool that you have actually been sort of involved in getting expertise in that area for, for a while now. Yeah, it's, it's been really cool to see, um, you know, just having started my career in cloud and and have seen it shape up you know from the vmware days hybrid just running your you know normal virtual machines to now uh, seeing the adoption of kubernetes you know when i was when i was at vmware kubernetes when it came up it was like you know just what is this thing and is it going right. to take off and now now we see not just open source you know in terms of enterprises uh, just trying and tinkering with it but actually using it for uh, real-time uh, production applications and that scale and it's that's been very cool to witness definitely if you had to i mean obviously we've got a lot of kubernetes offerings sort of within upticks and we've got some really cool stuff that we do but what do you think mm -hmm. the future of kubernetes security looks like yeah that's a that's a fantastic question i i think it it boils down to a couple fronts, right? I think firstly, one of the big topics is uh, the supply chain, right? When it comes to uh, Kubernetes security, you see there was a Gartner stat, I believe it was around 85% of organizations are going to uh, embrace a developer self-service model. That means developers are pushing more and more code. Uh, it's very DevOps. A lot of enterprises are becoming DevOps friendly and they're using a lot of DevOps tooling, whether it's you know GitHub Actions, your pipelines, uh, container registries. And what happens is when you have a lot of those DevOps toolings, it's it's great so you can push more applications, but that means your entire DevOps pipeline could be more vulnerable because there's uh, more kind of your increased attack surface. And that's where uh, enterprises are looking for deep you know, visibility and security across that entire software development lifecycle or supply yeah. chain. That was actually, I was reading a stat, it was like on the it was a Red Hat Kubernetes security survey, a fantastic read if you haven't read it. But they cited that in their 
research, 35% of the uh, enterprises and respondents uh, were deeply are deeply troubled by supply chain security and had some supply chain security issue. And, and so having that full uh, traceability, starting from the runtime and being able to shift left, and that's something, you know, of course, we have a lot of the CI scanning and image security functionality today, but something that we're starting to build out even more so around image traceability, around being able to really correlate when a vulnerability took place in terms of your images and runtime and being able to trace that back to the developer build and laptop mm. and being able to shift up, like we say, is, is one of the key things we're looking into. So I would say that's one of the big fronts, supply chain. Uh, another thing is just, uh, you know, misconfigurations in Kubernetes is, mm. is more prevalent, right? Because you, you look actually... You know, just to explain it uh, to those who you know may be new to Kubernetes, a lot of the a lot of the checks are are, are and <laughs> yes, a lot a lot of the policies and configurations on a cluster are actually done via these YAML files. So it's literally like code that you're writing, yeah. and you you will check them in into your cluster. So you can imagine when I'm coding or writing something in, you know, a new language, there's obviously room for error, right? But those misconfigurations could be massive in terms of leading to security holes. Uh, similarly, Kubernetes comes with a lot of defaults that are very developer friendly. But in terms of enterprise security, they can lead to misconfigurations or even attacks like a lateral movement attacks if if not locked down properly. So for example, uh, default service accounts, right? Uh, default service accounts, for example, is something that we check in our Optics platform mm -hmm. and have like this entire access control monitor to check it because if somebody uh, attacks that service service account and that has access to a vulnerable pod, then that can infiltrate the rest of the cluster, right? So those are misconfigurations. There was a stat that I think around 40% were concerned in that survey around ransomware attacks that were tied to misconfigurations. So, so that's something that's very big. And I think finally, the third concern is just the scale, right? And the uh, what we call the short-lived nature of these container assets. Like containers, right? Unlike your virtual machines, they're spun up, they're spun down. And Kubernetes is all, it's an orchestration engine. So it means there's always, mm -hmm. this constantly changes going on in the cluster. And so for SecOps teams and, and developers to have that right level of visibility where they're not looking at noise, but able to prioritize like what is most important uh, for their right. specific assets and to be able to have a developer-friendly workflow where developers are looking at their specific security concerns so they, they can resolve the vulnerabilities, uh, malwares, and sensitive data is, is key. So those I know that was a little bit long-winded, but those great. are the kind of three uh, big things I see. Yeah. Fascinating forecasting. I have a question about essentially points one and two. And I, I like that you sort of referenced some stats because that gives us a little bit of a wider perspective on like who's thinking about these things, who, who's concerned. And my question is like, do any of those stats seem low to you? Like this idea that, you know, 35% of people are concerned about or yeah, I mean, respondents really are, are concerned about supply chain and maybe like 40% concerned about ransomware. Like, do, do those seem low to you? Should, should more people be concerned? Like, what's the vibe there? Yeah, so I think it's a combination of two things. I think, firstly, uh, Kubernetes adoption, right? It's actually we're at a, and our CEO likes to call it, the use of the Gardner terms. It's like, there's the 
I think it was called like the trough of disillusionment and then the peak of adoption, kind of yes. that Gardner hype cycle curve, right? And so we're on our way to, and we're right now in a, in a fascinating time where it's similar to at my previous company where we see a lot of enterprises now starting to embrace that Kubernetes at scale. And so mm-hmm. that means two things, right? A, they're, they're kind of solving for the DevOps and operational piece of it. And in that, they're going to have different security concerns, which goes to my second point, where for some customers, it may be around establishing a vulnerability management program. For some other customers, it may be about compliance reporting. And I think you're going to start to see the stats uh, start to converge in the next couple of years. But right now, it's interesting to see kind of these different buckets of concerns, depending on the organization you're in and in the industry you're in. And that's what we see with customers as well. Gotcha. You know, you're, you're also, I, I can hear in your responses, these fascinating elements of maybe maybe what actually is a combination of excellent software engineering and like business savviness because there are a lot of folks who maybe don't who still don't really know what kubernetes is are actually first question is it plural is Kubernetes plural? I believe it's a uh, singular, uh, like w- at least okay. I refer to it as a singular term. There was, I think you had some, uh, an interesting nugget, right? On what, uh, how the, the, the K8 part of it came, right? Love that trivia. Yeah. 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 Numeronym and it's K8s because there's eight letters. I love that. But I, I guess I, I just realized in that moment that it's like, is it Kubernetes is or Kubernetes are? Because both feel kind of good. <laughs> They're both good, yeah. I do. I think typically we see Kubernetes is, and then Kubernetes clusters are is what I've seen. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So off the back of that, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about these. Often, I feel like there are several populations who are talking about the same tech. There's the people who are involved with building it, writing the code, this kind of backend material. And there's folks like me who are more in the soft skills marketing, bringing it to the public awareness kind of eye. Um, can you speak mm-hmm. to that split like do you think because i'm kind of of the opinion these days that it's a little bit of a false dichotomy that you know that you're Mm -hmm. not technical if you don't know how to code but from your perspective like does that split exist how do we bridge that gap i think in some ways it exists in some ways it does and i'll talk a little bit about the split right so the split firstly i think like from a contribution point of view, I think that's where we see a little bit more splits, especially in, you know, CNCF and open source, right? There's, sure. um, you know, you see software engineers and every, like you see such great projects, right? Like uh, like Cilium and Backstage. So these are, so for example, Cilium is does network security. Backstage is a developer self-service platform. That's that that I mentioned to you. A lot of it. Uh, enterprises are able to uh, cater faster to their developers because of of platforms like Backstage. Um, And so those are typically uh, developer-driven or engineering-driven projects. But it's interesting, you're starting to see this converge where enterprises are starting, like from a marketing and go-to-market point of view, they're starting to talk about these projects in terms of their marketing, right? And I think uh, from the Kubernetes point of view, I see more, I actually, there. There might be a little bit of a split, but I see more convergence than before because these developer projects are starting to be evangelized into different enterprise offerings and also uh, shared with the community. And that's where, from a go-to-market point of view, being able to talk about these efforts, uh, being able to establish the right partnerships, 
um, being able to use these projects. So, for example, in Uptics today, uh, we use OBA Gatekeeper, which is a, it's open source, but we use it because it had adds so much value. And from a go-to-market messaging, we talk about that because that is something that the community cares about. And so I think we're starting to see these uh, converge a lot on, on the Kubernetes front. That seems to be, from my perspective, a very positive thing, right? That there's more understanding and sort of more clear recognition of the tools that developers are really using and reliant on. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and what's really cool is like, you know, you go to these conferences like like KubeCon and, and you know, before it was very like, okay, very tech, very, you know, heavy. And now you're starting to see this convergence of, you know, do you still have your technical uh, sessions, but there's so much uh, go-to-market traction and activity in terms of promoting all the great work uh, that's going on in the Kubernetes front and uh, whether it's security or developer self-service platforms. And that's really exciting. I'm wondering from a sort of a, a more personal note for you, as someone who has this master's in, in business, like are your perspectives, it seems like you have the perfect perspective on an event like that and, and to see these different perspectives kind of coming together. Yeah, it's it's been a really exciting journey. Um, you know, when so like when I did my undergrad, I was, uh, you know, computer engineering, went into VMware software, then wanted wanting to kind of uh, pursue that the business major, but I didn't know initially, you know, what I was what I was going to do. So I thought I'd maybe do strategy consulting, some try some of those fronts. But then I realized like my passion is in cloud, but I could take it to a different level uh, by having more go to market awareness, understanding things like pricing and finance, being able to uh, sell right. I think sales is such a big part of being, you know, a good product manager, a good, a good business savvy. So, I think it's been exciting to uh, carry that uh, to the next level, and uh, to be able to to really be more strategic in the work I'm doing, um, investing in different projects, really kind of shaping how, you know, for a company like Uptix, who there's so much opportunity to be able to shave, shift up, I guess, shape the next wave of container and Kubernetes security. Um, using that toolkit has been exciting. So Fantastic. Yeah, I, I, I love that because I feel like it's the, you know, like the perfect person to kind of talk about those intersections of of the actual tech, the, the hardcore stuff, but then also knowing what is actually important to the people who, who are leading other companies who are interested in buying the tech because things like compliance and price like aren't dirty words, right? They're, they're like necessary parts of this project to secure the future that we're all, that we're all on. So I, I love that. It's a great perspective. Um, I have another career question, kind of in the same vein, but because you, you have like this, you've come up so fast. If you could go back five years, 10 years, and tell yourself something either about your career or your personal life or whatever it was, what would you tell yourself? Hmm, that, that's a that's a good question. I think if I had to go five or 10 years back, I would say one thing I wish, you know, you know, or not like, you know, just I think something that I would tell people who are young in their careers is to read, yeah. read a lot, right? Choose interesting things to read. You know, it doesn't have to be cloud or it doesn't have to be like, it can be like, maybe another pillar of, you know, technology like AI, or maybe it could be, you know, even like fiction, nonfiction. I think like just being more worldly, I think, and, you know, as a product manager, it's interesting because you interact with customers on a, a lot, right? But to be able to empathize with the challenges they have to go through, you know, they're not just a customer for you. They have their own business to run, their own products to sell. And I think when you can kind of 
really cater uh, to sort of their pain points and, you know, do as a, as a product manager, CS, whatever, like offer your resources to help them in the best way possible so that their business succeeds and that they succeed on a personal level. I think it adds a lot of value. And I think reading is something I need, I want to do more of, but it, it adds, I think it just makes us all better. So... I fully agree with you. And I, I, my background is kind of in a lot of humanities stuff, um, you know, history mm-hmm. and literature and that kind of thing. And I, I genuinely was thinking about this the other day that, you know, I, I've learned so much about people by, by reading fiction. Like if you read mm-hmm. Tolstoy, you're going to learn a lot about human psychology. And I, on one of our previous mm-hmm. episodes, was talking with Kevin Page and like, he's a, such a good example of someone who has a real deep and pretty impressive understanding of how humans behave and like why, which I yeah. think has made him like a much better educator and communicator because he's able to yeah. understand like all these incentives and, you know, different directions folks are coming from. Yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt about that. And that's such a big focus in, you know, business school too, right? Just the, you know, make, making the like connections, being able to, your body language, these kinds of things, everything, all of those facets stand out. So wholeheartedly agree with you there. It's really cool. I also didn't really know you kind of learned about that in business school. I don't, I don't normally know what I thought business school was, but that's, that's a cool aspect of it. <laughs> yeah. It's that. interesting. Cause they'll, yeah, they'll have your core classes like marketing and strategy and stuff. But these days there's so many classes on, you know, psychology and you know, how to, how to storytell. Like I think my, yeah. my favorite class from Kellogg was an entrepreneurial selling class where we learned how to tell stories to customers and sell and, and be you know, really good at like getting customers on that journey. Right. Um, and simple things like storytelling go such a long way. So, yeah, completely. Yeah. Yeah, Like we, we think of storytelling as this, yeah, like a a simple framework, but how do you get good at it? How do you learn how to tell a story? That's totally a, a skill that you have to learn as well. Um, same kind of vibe when we're talking about connecting with people or talking about understanding human behavior, we're talking about how it all like works together. Um, what's something that you feel like people aren't talking about enough? that should be at the forefront of our conversations? Yeah, I would say one topic that doesn't get enough um, attention, I feel, is honestly, we, we talk a lot about security you know, visibility and, and, and everything. I think operationalization still doesn't get um, mm. enough attention. It's, it's interesting. We, you know, we have things like, you know, Jira ticketing and those kinds of things. But understanding, like, when we have those things, you have to also understand, like, for example, how does a given enterprise operate their Jira? So you can cater, it would almost work backwards from mm. sort of their processes. Um, that's something we're, we're, we're starting to notice, um, uh, as a company, right? Just how do you make sure you, you're able to fit into, you know, not just the organizational structure, but their day-to-day processes and what, you know, what, what works well and what's not. And I think from a security point of view, that's, I think, going to be another center of attention, especially for Kubernetes, where things are moving so fast that you need the ability to really cater into those DevSecOps workflows more than ever before. And I think that's where we're, as a company, we're, um, you know, with the supply chain and, you know, the shift left capabilities, trying to really focus on not just having DevSecOps functionality, but being able to operationalize it for any type of enterprise, depending on how they operate. Right. I think that's that's going to be a big key. Is that pardon my ignorance on this one, but like what is from a high level, what is operationalization? Like what is what does that mean? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. So operationalization, I think about it in 
having uh, three things, I would say. Firstly, understanding what the issue is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's for a developer versus a, a CISO, that could be very different, right? For a CISO, it could be, hey, like I broke a CIS compliance, right, across the board. For a developer, it could be, hey, my specific application, when I'm about to check in some code, is not non-compliant, right? So there's you have to speak to the language of the persona you're targeting. So that's a visibility portion. I would say the second is understanding like the reasoning, like the why, right? Yeah. And uh, it, it varies between different attack surfaces. Like in the cloud and AWS, like AWS has done a great job of you know the nice UI, showing the configurations, API first. Kubernetes is still you know there are platforms, but it's still catching up, right? Things are written in code. It lives in GitHub. You have to read through. YAML file and understand, right? So evidence is is key. And then having the right remediation guidelines where it's business tailored, um, specifically, you know, there, some guidelines that are out there may work for you. Some, you have to be very, very specific and custom tailor it to the applications you're running in your environment. So those are some of the those are some of the challenges when it comes to operationalizing. Yeah. Um, one of the things we covered in, in that NSA blog was, you know, how, you know, for example, Uptix enables you to do that, you know, for your developer teams. But I think we'll also start to see more personalization along that front, right? For different development teams, you know, Team Bronwyn versus Team Abhinav, who are in an organization, the rules may be different, right? And being able to satisfy that is is going to be a big key. Fascinating. Yeah. So do you think that sort of operationalizing in general will be something that people are focusing more on in the coming years? Is that kind of what you're saying? That's that's my hypothesis. Yeah. I think what's happening right now is from a Kubernetes security, we're just we're grabbing a lot of the telemetry, we're getting all the misconfigurations, kind of showing all the risks, and we're, we're giving it to the SecOps teams. And I think the next piece that once we have all the data, the next portion is going to, on how to reduce like this the stat MTTR right mean time to resolution. How okay. do we really start to chop that down in half and 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 get that get that much faster? Is I think is going to be the next focus. Yeah, interesting. I have a question about something that I don't know if you know about because I don't really know what it is, but I keep hearing or and seeing the the acronym EBPF in relation to Kubernetes and container security. Can you tell me what that is? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So EBPF, it's a kernel technology, right? Uh, so what kernel, it means it's running inside of the operating system. And what it allows you to do is it allows you to get deeper inspection because with EBPF, it's actually able to go inside the kernel, inside the process, really gather a lot of the data, whether it's on different processes running, different network connections, all of that kind of stuff. But what's nice about eBPF, it's also very friendly to use. So you're like different pro, like different structures before. It's like if you had to go inside the kernel, that means there was risk, right? Because now okay. there with you know things like OS query and eBPF and everything, you can basically get all of that rich telemetry that's happening inside the operating system without having to actually affect the operating system. And that's, and it's exciting. You're seeing, you know, Uptix is a big adopter of VPPF for, you know, container workload. We're able to see like, you know, what packages are in use for a given vulnerability so we can cut down the noise or do things like Yara rule scanning where we can say like, hey, like you have this process that's named something, but is it actually doing something different? And is that process malicious, right? And you're starting to see other 
other other companies, you know, the the deep fences and isovalence of the world, adopting VPF as well for, you know, isovalent for Kubernetes networking, for example. And I think you, we're going to see a lot more spike in uh, EPPF adoption. Cool. I think I caught most of that. <laughs> Yeah. Goes down a little bit. That's awesome. One thing I that I'm, I'm excited to be you know talking with you at at this point is that KubeCon is in just a couple of weeks, really. So it's really good for me to have all of this uh, preparatory knowledge. Uh, you know, it's perfect timing for me. What's something you're looking forward to at KubeCon? Yeah, I think I mean, obviously, you know excited to you know talk with you know prospects and that's always something you know naturally in a company you're excited about but i'm excited i'm also excited to see uh, all the innovation um uh, that's taking place every it's, it's really interesting every kubecon there's a kind of a different theme um last year it was um or this past kubecon eu was very focused on wasm the the you know web application um side of things and really being able to dive deep there. I think this time we're going to see focus on uh, definitely security is always a big focus. I think platforms is really interesting. Platform engineering and how it's coming together. That was a big focus at my uh, previous company as well. And what I'm excited about as well, too, is how these things come together when it comes, like, for example, platform engineering and security, how uh, teams are going to embrace that, how they're going to operationalize it uh, with these developer self-service platforms. I think that's going to be like the the next big wave. And I'm excited to see a lot of the innovation that, that comes out of it. So Heck yeah, me too. Absolutely. You know, one thing I always get excited about too is just is just meeting people and, and being there yeah. and making some good connections. Um, is there anyone that you are excited about seeing or um, like a, a community you're excited about reconnecting with when you go? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, so at, in CNCF, I was, uh, you know, there's a platforms working group, which, uh, you know, since, I, you know, my previous company was very involved in still still keep in touch with the folks so one of the there are two uh abby uh bankser and josh gavant who are thought leaders in the platform space really excited and the same Siddhar, who's a cncf ambassador really excited to see what they have to offer there's some cons going on the, um on the uh wasm networking multi-tenancy con there, there are different sort of these sub events where i'm very excited to see all, all the efforts mm. going there and then on the security front definitely there's a the tag security group where they're doing a lot of efforts they, there's a new zero trust report that's coming out so i'm excited to see all, all the work there as well awesome that's that's so great to hear and maybe uh maybe for the listeners who are catching us at the perfect time here can you give us a a quick like like a sneak peek of what people might find out about upticks if they come to kubecon and, and chat with us there yeah absolutely i mean super excited to uh really get into you know what we have to offer for uptick's uh, kubernetes security we have a lot of new offerings on the table so for one is um image policy so this is supply chain concept and being able to you know shift left so uh, supply chain security is one of the big things we're announcing so now for a given image we not only have the ability to do ci scans and registry scans and being able to enforce in runtime but we can also map to what developer builds in github so for example if a developer introduced a vulnerability you can see which commits introduced it and then also you can well integrating with cis benchmarks for supply chain security so we can see hey if like my github was insecure like didn't have mfa enabled then block the build because my my supply chain was vulnerable at the time a developer was building something so that's the whole supply chain security and image policies uh, there's also something um in terms of 
the ecosystem, Kubernetes goat, G-O-A-T, it's like literally on their thing, they show goats, <laughs> but yes. it's uh, actually like a, a framework for uh, catching some of the most uh, prevalent uh, threats, right? So container breakouts, port scanning, a reverse shell, these are common Kubernetes security issues or container security issues. And what we've done with uptakes and what we'll show at KubeCon is being able to map those attacks in real time as detections and then correlate that with uh, misconfiguration on your Kubernetes cluster. So whether it's a excessive uh, role that has permissions to everything when it shouldn't or a sort of network security, uh, network policies that are misconfigured, being able to show that end-to-end story where we uh, correlate the control plane and data plane, that's another big exciting thing we're going to be showing. Love it. It's a holistic understanding of that whole process. That's really, really great. Kind of allows you to zoom out without losing focus of those details. That's awesome. Um, okay, so we're almost at, at our time. So I have to end on a, a, a more loosey-goosey question because I like to do it. And I think I want to ask you if you could use any superpower to improve cybersecurity, what superpower would you choose to have? So when you say superpower, can you give like an example? So I think we have the full range available to us. I think we've got everything from like telepathy, telekinesis, all that kind of stuff could also be like, maybe you can just become invisible and walk amongst who the people that you need to spy on. I don't know. Like, I think, yeah, yeah, whatever you got, really. I would say the superpower would be being able to connect I don't know, it's like connect the dots almost, right? And I think that's the optic superpower as well. But I think like the ability to kind of, you know, under, like literally take two different things and say, hey, this is the insight I get is is the, the the one I would do because that's where the real magic comes, right? We can, there's APIs to collect all these kinds of telemetry, but correlating it is a pain. And then the, in the age of AI and big data, even a bigger pain because of all the data that we have. So I'd say it would, I'd call it probably the insights, right? The insight uh, would, would be the superpower. That's so cool. I'd love it. I feel like you also have like, if we're building you into a superhero, which now sounds like a very fun project, you could have this ability to like, you know, sort of, uh, what's that? What's that story with the guy with the crayon who can connect things and like draw lines in the air? You can be connecting the dots and pulling information, Mister Mister Insight. I don't know, Insight Man. That's cool. I imagine just like I see two things and then just go like this and then boom. Yeah. That's your like yeah. Blast <laughs> off. Uh, yeah, yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, I think that's like that. That's a big. That would be a nice superpower to have for sure. Yeah. yeah. Heck yeah. I love it. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining this episode. I feel like it's, it's great timing going into KubeCon. We're going to have a lot of things to talk about at, you know, at that conference, but also right after. Um, we've got so many features to be able to share with folks. So it's, it's really great to get um, your insights and also see how you kind of came up in this industry. Yeah. And, and definitely check out our Mastering Kubernetes Security blog posts. Um, and um, yeah, we'll be at the booth and we're excited to see everybody at KubeCon. So yeah, thank absolutely. you so much. Thank you so much. We'll drop all those links in the show notes. And um, just in case people want to find you, Abhinav, where can they find you on the internet? Yes, they can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm also available on the CNCF Slack. So that's like, you know, just open anytime. Feel free to reach out. And yeah, or otherwise, um, uh, yeah, those are those are the two big things. So yeah. Yeah, perfect. Okay, wonderful. Okay, thank you so much for joining us. And we'll see you out in cyberspace. Thanks. Thanks so much.